We're going to do Mishlei and Modern Psychology, but we're going to do it together because I did not have a chance, unfortunately, to uh, prepare too much. Um, but we thank, we thank the cast is Sid and Shoshana Cast for sponsoring tonight's base measures classes in honor of Shoshana's grandfather, Rev. Avram Garden, who I did not know, although I do know the Garden family. Do not know him. So, we are in... Did we finish the parak? Let me see. We're in Chaf Gimel. Yes, we are up to... Yeah, we're up to... What do you think? Chaf Gimel Tef. Al Taseg. Chaf Gimel Yud. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. We just talked about how mm-hmm. you should not... 2310. We just yeah. talked about how you should not really speak too much to a fool because he will not understand what you're talking about and he'll make you look bad. I remember my father used to uh, make fun of... My father's basketball coach and uh, his old players who, aren't very, who weren't very good, yeah. he used to tell them, don't tell anybody that I coached you because you're going to make me look bad. Yeah. Um, oh, no. We lost Steve again. Yeah. So that's a similar type of thing that... Uh, don't teach a fool because then he's going to say, uh, he's going to try to, you know, tell somebody what you said and it's not going to make any sense. And it's going to be like, well, who told you that? Oh, that was Rabbi Katz. Oh, no, don't tell, don't tell people that. Don't tell people that. That's happened before. I think that happened actually to Ricky last year. Like some, one of the girls said something that was like, uh, like completely non-halakhic. Yeah. And uh, some parent called her up and said, did you tell this to my daughter? Yeah. No, I didn't tell that to your daughter. Yeah. Something like that. Anyway. And she yeah, well, or she misunderstood. She misunderstood. So, uh, yeah, so here we are on Pasuk Yud 2310. I feel like we've done Yud also. Yes, we have. We did this because we had this uh, previously. And in an earlier process we had, this was talking about the border, to not, uh, to not pass through a border which was already there, may olam, from ever. Um, okay, so let's keep going here. Ki go alam chazak, we did that also. Havil and Musar libafad, I think that's what we're up to. Chav gimel yud beiz. Chav gimel yud beiz, 2312. Havil and bring to discipline your heart. Is that how they translate it here? Bring your heart to discipline. Va'aznecha le'imre das. Va'aznecha le'imre das. And your ears to the words of knowledge. I find this very interesting. When you say that a person is disciplined, in what area of his persona does that discipline come from? I mean, where does that come from? Okay, it comes from your intellect. Everything is filtered through your internet. Intellect. But if we were to, <coughs> let's say our, let's say that our being is split up into two things. One is our, our, our intellect and one is our emotion. So what does discipline have to do more with? Emotion or intellect? So it's obviously both, right? You have the emotional pull or the, uh, the, you're right, exactly. I mean, that's the, your instinct or your, in, your, your, your impulse is what I'm looking for. Your impulse is an emotional reaction, right? You instinctively have a desire. And then you need to use your intellect to sort of overcome that desire. 
So when we say, bring your heart to discipline, presumably what that means is sort of tame your heart, restrain your heart, because your heart is the one that's trying to do something wrong, and now you need to sort of reel it in. However, your ears, you should bring those to the words of knowledge, to the words of knowledge presumably because your ears, which are representative of intellect and your learning, so that you have to bring uh, your ears to uh, to understand things. That's entirely intellectual. So the lave is that which is uh, w- w- th- that which you have to control, and the ears are the ways that in which maybe you could say you control them. Um, let's see. The Rabbeinu Yonah says, "Hinei nafsan alaf hashalom halev lamusar va'ozm leimredas." We are inyan ki halev ha'chesed va'tayva. Because your heart is where you have your desires. And your, the discipline in the Pasuk is referring to the wisdom which is necessary to fix that which you, that which you, or the person that's listening to them. And that which is, you know, wise words are not necessary for the person. Bring your heart to discipline. Because when you listen to Musar, when you listen to, when you listen to discipline, you will bring your desires to fulfill it, the Musar. And your heart, if you can connect your heart to that which is a good thing, so then it will bring it will bring your actions to to, to do something better. This I find is um, insightful, but I, uh, very insightful if if couched in the right way. So he's using the word "lave" as almost a catch-all. If we were to substitute the word the the word "emotion" for for the word "lave," I think everything makes sense. How do you make a person do the right thing? We all know, we all know, intellectually, we all know what the right thing is. The question is whether we'll be motivated to do the right thing. Because if I were to ask you, is it right to uh, eat a lot of sugar? No, everybody knows it's not right to eat a lot of sugar. The question is whether you'll be motivated to, to not eat a lot of sugar. So the question really becomes, so can you make your heart motivated? And I don't know, I'm trying to remember... I'm trying to remember. There's a book called There's a book called Made to Stick by the Heath Brothers. I think it's Made to Stick, and it has an acronym for the different aspects of a message that that make it that make it uh, stick. That make them you know that 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 inspire a person to motivate a person. I'm trying to remember. I think the acronym is Success. I'm trying to remember what all of them are. Okay, here my computer is working. So I'll, I'm going to switch you over in a second, Steve. But first, I'm going to look it up. Um, yeah. Is it working? I don't know if it's working or not. Oh, it's not letting me go on this thing. Somehow, I am not allowed to use the internet. Connected. It won't let me use it. Why not? 
No internet. Oh. Okay. Succinct? So, so sticky. Oh, sticky is the first one? No. Sticky ideas, No, that's the general. So, I'll open it up. Succinct? Simple. That's what it is. Concrete, credible, e? emotional, that's it. story. I knew it. <laughs> story. I don't know what the last is. No, that? Oh, there's no S. There is no other S. Oh, okay. That's it, yeah. Success. Sometimes the acronyms are perfect. Sometimes they're, yeah, you know, yeah. be a little flexible. So, so the E in success is emotion. Now, I, I happen to think there's a lot of overlap between those, was that six? But <clears throat> one of the, the, the most beneficial ways to really make an impression on a person, if you're using some kind of idea, right? You've got an idea as a teacher. You have an idea. You want people to remember it. How do you make people remember it? So those are five, those are six ways in order to make, make sure that they're memorable. You know, make that, make it succinct or simple. Make it, you know, uh, easy and digestible, right? Not too complicated. Um, unexpected is always something, right? You, you remember the things that you're not expecting. It's the things that, you know, are, are very straightforward. You know, some people like, um, you ever, you ever drive to work and then you get to work and it's like, I don't remember driving here. No, not quite often. You know why that is? Because it's, yeah, it's not memorable. Yeah. There's nothing unexpected about it. You only remember the things that are unexpected in life. Well, not really, but um, generally. So let me get off of Wi-Fi for, for Steve's sake. Hey. He's probably a... Probably very oh, there you go. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. I just went off the, the Wi-Fi. I think we've got some problems here at the shul. Okay, off of Wi-Fi. Now we're on my data and on a phone which has 16% battery. So we'll 11%. Sorry, we started at 16. So when I die or when the phone dies, you'll know. Uh, you'll know why. But what do you say? Isn't there a place for you to plug in? Not nearby, no. Oh. Uh, maybe soon, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. Good point. Unfortunate to think about, but. Um, okay. So, just talking about the ways of making things memorable and impressionable. And we talked about how making it succinct. 10%. Making it succinct, making it unexpected, making it concrete, making it, I forgot the other C, emotional, and then making a story. Credible. credible right. It's got, you, can't, you can't just, you don't believe any random guy. Right? You've got to be made credible. If I remember the, that, that chapter was about, I read this book like two, three years ago, about three years ago at this point. The Heath Brothers, yeah. They wrote a few. They wrote a book. They've written a few for sure. Yeah, I read this in, in Kansas, so it was five years ago. But I believe on the credibility, they quoted, it had to be five years ago because um, the credibility chapter they used, what's his name from Subway? Jerry. Yeah. And I don't think they would have used him in his incrimination. Yeah. So uh, the credibility. The credibility point, Jared from Subway was the guy who lost like 200 pounds eating Subway sandwiches. Um, the, the credibility comes from the fact that he was successful, right? He's, if he tells it to you, so you'll believe him because he actually did it. 
Now, he also did other things that we don't prefer to talk about him, but um, the point is, that's credibility, but then you have emotion. The E in success is emotion. And the emotionality of it makes it so that there's a connection between that which you know and that which you feel. There's no greater, to me, of that list, there's no greater um, way to make something memorable and to stick with a person than to make it emotional. If you can connect the person's emotions to their to their ideas, so then they'll remember the ideas. That's that's the name of the game. Um, there's an interesting trick how to use how to use that in Gemara also. Uh, I don't know if people have learned the Gemara here, but I've probably talked about this Wednesday night. But um, if let's say you're learning a Gemara and you want to try to remember, you want to try to remember the discussion. Right, so there's this topic and there's this opinion, there's that opinion, and they argue. This one brings the proof this way, this one brings it that way. You know what the best way to remember that is? Pick sides. Yeah, I told you that. Yeah. Pick sides. I believe this person is correct. And you know what that does? Every time there's a proof, like yeah, yeah, that's a good proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel emotionally connected. And every time there's a disproof, you you get all defensive about it. Right? No, no, that maybe there's a different way to understand it. And that, that, that gets your emotions involved. Once you get your emotions involved, so you'll remember it better. So here, and as, as I said before, Rabbi Yoni uses the word lave, but if we use the word emotion as, as a substitute for lave, I think it makes it even more sort of powerful. You bring your heart to the discipline. When you hear somebody talk about how it is that you should, you should act properly, you behave better, so then put your heart into it. If you put your heart into it, meaning your emotions, connect your emotions to it, make it meaningful somehow, so then it will actually have an effect. It will, it will have an effect on you. But your ears, your ears, it's not something you necessarily need because uh, it's not affecting your actions. Right? So bring your ears to learn more, but bring your heart to behave, to, to, to learn more about behavior. Because if you don't have your heart in the behavior education, so then the, the education is going to be for naught. When you're just sort of studying, and it's all intellectual. Okay, so bring your ears for that. But if you want to be a better person, you've got to bring your heart. You're not going to grow as a person unless you bring your heart. Right? Agree with your heart to do it. Right? Use your ears, your listening ears, to make sure that you're always uh, sort of imbibing that concept. Al-Timna Minar Musar. I think we've talked about this Pasuk before, or this concept before. Um, I want to see if anyone quotes the previous time we've seen it. I don't remember. But it says, Do not refrain from giving a, or do not hold back discipline from a young boy. Do not withhold discipline from the youth. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. Not something you necessarily want to tell child protective services, but what is, what is Shlomo? Let's go beyond sort of the surface level, superficial understanding of what Shlomo is saying. Because in yesteryear, there was, you know, an acceptance of this sort of... Uh, this, this methodology, and it was only until recently, I think, in human history, this, uh, this method has only been uh, dismissed in the last, what, 50 years, you'd say, Mike? Yeah. 
You know, a lot of people in the shul probably remember when they were kids, you know, uh, they got the rod or whatever the, uh, whatever version of it was. You know, unfortunately it still takes place in some private schools today. But the point is, what is Lomel saying? When you hit him with a rod, he's not going to die. There is a song, I don't know who, who's, what song it is. It's probably a quote before it was a song. But whatever doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. I don't know if it was, it's probably a quote from something before it was a song. Yeah. The point is, it's not just that Shlomo HaMelech is saying, don't be afraid to hit him, he's not going to die, it's not going to be so bad. But it's not what he's saying. He's saying that when you put a person through discomfort, when it's difficult for them, so they will learn from that difficulty. It's not just, don't worry, you're not going to die, or you're not going to kill the person. But when you put someone through difficult circumstances, that will make them stronger. I'm listening now to, or I was listening, I kind of, I stopped listening to a book because I thought I had another book that was more interesting. It turns out the other book is not as interesting. So I'm probably going to go back to this book. The book is called A Confident Mind. I forgot who wrote it, uh, a foreigner of some kind. Uh, I don't remember, I remember what ethnicity it was, but I just remember the name was a little confusing. But the, word, the, the, the book is called The Confident Mind. And he talks about how when you approach difficult situations, you should use the repository of past experiences, specifically past achievements, to give yourself the confidence that you can, you can approach this one too. Meaning, think back to the last time you went through a difficult circumstance and you surpassed it. You persevered through it. You achieved your goal despite the difficulties. Think about the last time that happened and now you can go ahead and do what difficult task is ahead of you right now. Meaning that when you have those achievements in life, you can, you can use those, you can act on those in the, in the future. So here also he said, when you are, when, when someone is disciplined, that could be with a literal rod or it could be with a very difficult situation, you, you grow from that. And not only will you not die, but you will, you will persevere through it. You'll persevere through it, and it will be better for you. Uh, and going on to the next verse, mm-hmm. you strike him with the rod, but you will save him from the grave or from the deaths. Meaning, putting him through the difficulty is helping him or her. Now, I wouldn't use the rod for that, but the point is that you use the you use the you know. Tough love is what's going to do it in the end of the day. Nowadays, as we've talked about before, you know, the way of discipline is much more through love than it is through discipline. And this happens all the time. You know, what's the better way to discipline a child who's young and doesn't understand? Are consequences the best way? Are, you know, a positive reinforcement the best way? It's probably a combination of both. It's probably a combination of both. And you have to know the kid. You have to know what they respond to. Um, and certainly in the world that we live in, we have veered way more towards the positive reinforcement way of talking than the, uh, the negative. I'm trying to remember the... Oh, yeah. What was it? So yeah, I was just listening to, in this book, The Confident Mind. It talked about a coach that when uh, they were having a very bad lacrosse practice... I don't know anything about lacrosse. I mean, I, very, I know very little about lacrosse. And when they were having a very bad practice, they just weren't... They were not doing well. So um, in the middle of the practice, he took the ball and he said, what is wrong with you guys? This is not how you play. 
you're usually much better than this. And he said, it must be the ball. Yeah. And he took the ball and he threw it away. Yeah. Like threw it out of the stadium or whatever. And he took another ball and he gave them that ball. And the, uh, and the, authors, the author points out that this was, in a sense, it was the alternative to negative discipline. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't say you're bad, how could you be so bad? But say it must be something else because you guys are so much better. Right? And it was a very interesting way of sort of spinning a negative, you know, uh, a negative criticism into a positive reinforcement, even though he was clearly criticizing them, but he did it in a way that cast it in sort of, you know, bolstering terms, you know, supportive terms. I have no idea. They were a good team, so whatever. But, um, but the point is that sometimes we think that constructive criticism is going gonna, is gonna, to, you know, wear them down, it's going to tear them down, it's not going to be good for them. So first of all, it depends on the person. Second of all, it depends how you say it. Sometimes it can be very destructive, depending on how you say it, depending on the person. But if you can say it in a way which is, on the one hand, construct, on the one hand, critical, but also still constructive, and they see that it's coming from a good place, so then uh, there, there's what to be said for the fact that uh, make them feel uncomfortable. Make them know that what they're doing is not up to par. Make them aware of the fact that they can be a lot better than the, what they're doing right now. And that's not for their detriment, that's for their own good. When you know you're not doing well, you will come out stronger for it. As opposed to pretending, oh, everything's great, you're doing great, don't worry about it. Yeah, you made a mistake, but it doesn't matter. No, no, it matters, but you have to do better. You have to do better. I remember also in, um, in Carol Dweck's book called Mindset, she talks about, I think it was Carol Dweck's, where she talks about the teachers that go into the classroom and they say, um, you know, when it comes to like a difficult task, they don't say, this is too hard for you, we'll find something easier. They say, this is hard for you, and I, I believe you can do it. Yeah, right? That's, you, right? It's hard, it's not going to be easy, mm-hmm. but you can do it. And that's sort of the best way of, uh, of, of teaching. Uh, there's a book called Synagogue. Have I told you about this book before? David Beshevkin, or David Beshevkin. He's a, uh, he has a wonderful podcast. Which if people, people are interested into sort of delving into the depths of real profound problems in the real world, so then he has a wonderful podcast called the 1840 Podcast. Uh, he has a whole story behind 1840. Um, so he talks about the shit of crisis, and he talks about kids going off the derech, and he talks about LGBTQ issues. But he's an orthodox guy. He works for the OU. And um, wonderful, uh, just a thinker. He doesn't have all the solutions, but he, has, he, he loves to sort of talk about them. And anyway, so he wrote a book called Synagogue. One day, if, I, if, I, if I'm able to pull it off, I'll bring him into the show. But um, there's a book called Synagogue. It came out a couple of years ago. But it's, it's, not, it's not written S-Y-N synagogue. It's written S-I-N synagogue. And the idea being, or, or, or the analysis of the book is talking about the pitfalls of Jewish people and, and what they do wrong and how we can grow from those uh, failures as opposed to uh, dismissing them or pretending them that, that they don't exist. And uh, he has this big, very cutesy thing, but his big concept is that um, we should celebrate our failures. I mean, we shouldn't celebrate them to the extent that, that we say that they're okay, but we should make them clear and obvious that, yes, I failed too. And yes, I work for the OU, and I have a, you know, a, a prominent podcast and whatever, but I've had a lot of failure in my life. And that's okay. We can grow from that failure. Uh, he has uh, in his bio 
I forgot what he, I forgot what it is, but the last line of his bio is something like uh, on his book and also you know, on his professional pages. The last line of his bio is something like, "I was rejected from such and such a fellowship." Like it's part of his bio is, "I was rejected from a fellowship." Because that's what, you know, helps them grow and become a better person. So that's what it's saying here, Keith Sakin, I'm When you get hit with a rod, you're not gonna die. In fact, that when you're hit with a rod, it will save you. That discipline, that struggle, that difficulty that you have to persevere through is going to make you stronger. And it's going to save you in the end of the day, you just don't know it yet. <coughs> so that's, uh, that's, that's David Bashevkin. That's Carol Dweck. That's a lot of, you know, we can all use a lot of that uh, heavy dose of that nowadays, given the fact that uh, we live in a world which is just over, overflowing with, with, um, with comfort and just uh, too much enjoyment. That you know, it's the opposite. How many times do you literally get to make a rod and it breaks the person? Good. Yeah, yeah, again, you have to have, you have to know the person, you have to know the, how to do it. But uh, the, the alternative meaning being, you know, if, if the alternative means always tell a person they're always doing good, so then that's not going to help them at all. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's a uh, a real worthwhile lesson for our generation. It's like I think we'll have different um, best ways of learning, you know, visualize. Uh, yeah, that's true too. That's true too. There's a uh, at the end of Parshas Bichu Kosai, we have the first. The first tochacha, great rebuke, mm-hmm. right? There's 49 curses or something yeah. like that, right? And um, and right after the tochacha, right? That's the part of the Torah that we read very quickly and in a low voice. Um, and if you remember, it's coming up in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So the the parsha continues on afterwards, talking about a concept called irachin. Irachin is the laws of how much a person is worth. You know, if there's if somebody says, I want to donate the worth of so and so to the base of English, well, how much is that? So there are actual numbers that Zara gives just by necessity. So uh, the question becomes, well, why is why are those two things next to each other? Why is the discussion about how how terrible things can get when we sin next to the discussion about you know the the, the value of a person and the uh, and the idea being that some people are motivated by Telling you how terrible, by, by, by them being told how terrible things will be if you do the wrong thing, mm-hmm. the consequences of their actions are, how bad they would get punished if they do the wrong thing. But then other people are motivated by realizing what their worth is, by really that, realizing how valuable they are. This is the sticking point between Slabadka and Navarti. You ever heard this before? Right? The, ba, the, the, the Musser movement. There's always been Musser. Shlomo Amalek is talking about Musser right here. But the Muslim movement was a movement, uh, really, that, that emphasized character development. It was around the same time as, the, as, as Hasidus and, and, uh, and the Yeshiva movement of Velazhin, 1800s, basically, of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. And he had two, uh, or two students that became more prominent in the movement, um, the altar of Slabadka and the altar of Navardic. The altar of Slabadka's name was... Um, Rav Nussin Svi Finkel. I always get them confused. That's a little embarrassing, but um, hopefully no one's listening. So, um, but then the other one was Rav Yosef Yoizel Horowitz. I think his name was, 
Either way, Slabadka and Navardic were both focused on character development, but they had very different um, angles or strategies to to develop a person better. So in in Navardic, Rabbi Yosef Yoizel's uh, strategy was to break a person down, tell them how terrible they are, tell them how uh, how humble they should be, that they're nothing and they're worthless, and therefore they'll they'll sort of understand that they should never they should have a certain humility which is you know uh, which, which, which is sort of like ever motivating to be better because they know how terrible they are it's, it's not a 21st century model for sure not mm-hmm. um, and then there are a lot of like stories about a lot of stories about um, the students of Novartic and what they would do they would like they would go into a bakery and they would ask for, you know, hardware store, hardware store materials, like, do you have any nails? And, and the baker would get all upset. What are you doing here? Are you some kind of fool? You don't buy nails at a bakery, you know, things like that. Uh, as, as an exercise in humility to make themselves be screamed at. A lot, a lot of very extreme things. This is the most movement for you. Yeah. Okay. It says Novartic in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't. So I don't. I don't know if it's all homo, homogeneously like this, or, or it's not. Uh, it's all. It's not a monolithic message in all of Novartic, but but this is what they were known for. And Slabodka, on the other hand, Slabodka was all about the, the the greatness of man, and how great a person is, and how they have to live up to their potential, and how how how, how valuable they are. And if you were not be valuable, you're not living up to your potential. Um, that's an interesting. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, um, at least in some ways, for sure. So those are two, two two different ways of motivating a person. How terrible you are if you do something wrong, or how great you can be um, instead of doing what you're doing. So so that's Shlomo Malch is, is giving us the Navardic approach here. That atab uh, ashevet takanu you 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 you. You uh, hit them with a stick, hit them with a rod. You will be able to uh, you'll be able to motivate them and uh, and save them from the depths. Pasuk Tesvav, Bini imchacham libecha, Yisvach libi gamani. Hmm. I don't know who Shlomo is talking to. Yeah, my child. When your heart becomes wise, then my heart will also be joyful. If you are going to become wise, then I also will be joyful. It's an interesting word, gamani. It never says that he's going to be joyful. This is uh, just a subtle insight, if you will. The word gam means also. There has to be some kind of commonality between these two people. We have the bini in the Pasuk, the sun. And we have Shlomo Melch himself. If Shlomo Melch is saying me also, so presumably whatever the also is about applies to the sun. So what is he saying? Yismach li bi gamani. My heart will also rejoice. The implication of that is that the sun's heart is rejoicing. But we never find in this passage that the sun's heart is rejoicing. So what does it mean that Shlomo Melch's heart is also rejoicing? Somehow the sun's heart is rejoicing. Why is the sun's heart rejoicing? If you become wise, 
This is my own insight here. I, I haven't seen this anywhere. If you become wise, you will be joyful. Because a man shall be the reader. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's not a literal child. But uh, the point is, um, yeah, if you look at Masudas David, when you listen to what I'm telling you in these words, I'm also going to be joyful, says Masudas David, like the joy of your heart. When you finally learn how to do something, I'm sure you know, uh, you know, when Erin, you know, graduated from medical school, yeah. why was she so happy? So on one hand, maybe because it's over, finally it's over. But more, more profoundly than that, more profoundly than that, look what I accomplished. Look at all the, look at all the things I learned. You know, it's, you, you look back at, you know, grueling nights of study. And yeah. passing those tests, and you say to yourself, "I'm just overwhelmed with joy over what I accomplished." Yeah. And I'm sure she's doing other ones. And when she finishes that, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, good. Needed that extra hour. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. But afterwards, she's joyful because she has accomplished something. So here also, Shlomo Melch is saying. If you, if you attain this wisdom, if you inculcate it into your persona, as we said before, if your heart has been disciplined and you've learned how to be a better person, I will rejoice with you because I know you'll rejoice. For the person who's accomplished it, they're obviously going to rejoice. That's what I was saying. You will have a sense of pride in what you've accomplished. And I will be along there. I'll be alongside you uh, with that same thing. When you, I don't know, were you at Erin's graduation? No, no, it was COVID. I was in Israel. She graduated medical school in her pajamas in our living room. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, all COVID. Oh, that's the worst. Okay. But hopefully from a distance you were chefing a lot of nachas. Yeah. She didn't care. She wasn't even bothered her at Yeah, graduations are a little overrated. But... For parents, there's a certain joy and certain satisfaction. So look at my, my kid accomplished. Yeah. Shlomo Melz is saying, Bini, my son, whoever that is, that's, that's us. My son, if you are going to fulfill the words that I'm telling you and, and become a wise person, I will have such immense pride alongside you. I will rejoice with you. I'll be, I'll be happy for you. I think this Pesach is even more profound when coupled with the previous Pesachim. What did the previous person tell us? Don't be afraid to use the rod. Don't be afraid to discipline them harshly. And as we explained here in the, in the 21st century model, that means sometimes tough love. And you can easily see how that can go in the wrong direction. Sometimes tough is not very loving. Sometimes discipline is not very caring. And it doesn't come along with that, that sense of you know, uh, sensitivity that, that uh, that's most advantageous when you have that kind of discipline. Meaning, if you have a kind of a relationship, that's what we've talked about this before, if you have a kind of relationship where you can discipline a person because they know you're doing it out of a, a real care for them, a real concern or a real, um, you know, their best interest at heart. When it's difficult, they'll be annoyed, but they'll accept it. 
right? They'll say, I know this is really hard, but I trust you because we've had good times together. You've cared for me before in the past. You've been there when I've been down. You've helped me in other situations. So therefore, when you're, you're, when you're being tough on me, I know that you're doing it for the right reasons. And therefore, it comes the next puzzle. When you succeed, when you ultimately cross that finish line, I'll be there rejoicing with you. Yes, right now, I'm, I'm, it's difficult. Right now, I'm disciplining you in very harsh ways. But you should know I'm doing it for your own good so that when you cross the finish line, we can celebrate together. That's the point. I will be with you. How do you translate that word? Talozna kiliosai. Tazayin. 16. Oh, my heart? Okay. I don't think kiliosai means heart. But yeah, I think what it means is like my kishkas. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be rejoicing for my kishkas. I'm going to have such, I'm going to have such joy, such pride. I'll be, you know, so, so proud of you that my whole being, I can't, I won't be able to hold myself back. When I finally hear you speaking words of wisdom, you know, that's why there's so much pressure. Uh, well, now he said Bini. Bini, then, right, it seems like this would be a sentence I'd say, I was looking at the end, then I would have put it at the last paragraph of the book. What do you mean? Because... You're saying you've accomplished everything? Yeah, right. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You've just studied everything I've written, I'll rejoice. Right, right. It is interesting. It's an interesting interlude that he puts it in over here. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but the point is that he'll be so proud, so overcome with joy. Before we said... If you become a wise person, I'll be happy. Now, just listening to the person will make him happy. When I hear from your lips, just wisdom. You know, you imagine like a, uh, you know, a day school principal who, uh, who later in life meets one of his students who's become a rabbi or become a doctor or become whatever. You know, just listening to him, just, just, he can listen to him all day. Just the sense of pride that, that brings... You know, previous teachers and things like that. In a similar sense, you know, uh, you know, when my parents come to town or my in-laws come to town or my grandparents come yeah. to town, whatever, so then I, I have a, there's a certain sense of pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to disappoint them. Yeah. Uh, but invariably, they're always proud of me, whatever. <laughs> but the point is that that's sort of their, you know, all their blood, sweat, and tears went into me. Yeah. And I have to sort of make sure that they, mm-hmm. you know, as a sense of, as a sense of, um, gratitude towards them. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure that I'm on, you know, on, on my best, uh, on my at, at my best, so that they feel that sense of pride, so that they know that everything is worth it, and I'm thankful for it, and the whole thing. So, so Shlomo Melch is saying, when you speak, not just when you're speaking, but when you're speaking righteously, when your when your actions align with everything that I've taught you. So then, Talos Makiliosai, my inner, I'm just going to be, you know, my whole body is going to be exalting, is going to be so, so excited just to hear how you're speaking. And in the other direction, you know, how, how we've talked about that before, also, and I've talked about that before also, sort of the sadness which comes along with a child who is not speaking nicely, who, is, uh, who, who, who's, who hasn't made the best choices, mm-hmm. and how that reflects on a parent, and how the, how the parent unfortunately uh, has to listen to those things. So, uh, of course, it's always, you know, worthwhile for the parents to be reminded of, 
you know, it's not always their fault and whatever, but, um, but, but to think about the pride that we have in our children to find the things with, within which we can take pride is a, uh, is, there's a certain muster in that also that Shalom Rav is telling us. Make sure you find that righteousness in your children so that you can also be excited about them and also have that feeling of satisfaction for everything that you've given them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not always easy to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but when you get there, make sure to celebrate it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a, um, there is a mistake that people make about not celebrating things. Uh, there's a book, the Heath Brothers have a book called Power of Moments. Mm-hmm. And they talk about this, um, I think it was Fitbit, or it might be one of these other like walking yeah. apps. And what they do is that when, when you get to a certain milestone, they'll celebrate it on the app. Like, uh, congratulations, you just walked the amount of steps there are in the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. Some like quirky little thing. Yeah. But it's a celebration. You should celebrate. That's why whenever we finish a Masefta mm-hmm. in, in Dafyomi, we yeah. celebrate. Yeah. You have to make sure to celebrate. If you don't celebrate, so you won't feel that level of excitement to do it again. Um, and I think sometimes that gets lost on people. So here, if you're able to do it, we will celebrate together. We'll go out for a nice steak dinner together. Whatever it is. Right? We will celebrate when I find that you've grown and you've developed in the ways that I've asked you to do. Um, because uh, because that that alone... Right? Why is Shalom telling us this? Why is Shalom telling us this? It might be a little low lishma, but that alone can motivate a child to do something, uh, to do something positive. To, for a child to know that their parent will rejoice and celebrate them if they accomplish what they're asked to do, that sometimes is the child's uh, greatest, greatest reward. That, you know, dad will be proud of me, mom will be proud of me if I just do this one thing. It's a little low lishma, it's not for yeah. the sake of the thing itself. But nonetheless, Shlomo Amal is saying, Im chacham if you fulfill this, we will rejoice together. And for, uh, for a child, sometimes that's the greatest, uh, the greatest sign of approval from a parent when they say, if you succeed, you know, I'll be there celebrating. The amount of, the amount of you know, athletes that you hear are sometimes very, very sad. The amount of athletes you hear sometimes, they, they never got approval from their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and part of their entire life journey is trying to, uh, yeah, try to get approval from their parents. And they just never got it. They won this or that award, parents didn't care. You could have done better, right? You know, it's very sad for a child to see that, and, and at a certain point, it's, it deteriorates their motivation, and uh, they don't want to do it anymore. So make sure, as a parent, you always uh, you always make sure to celebrate with your children, and as a child, make sure that your parents, you know, uh, that, that, that as a child, make sure that you know your parents have pride in you, even if they don't show it, um, because that way uh, you'll stay motivated, even if it's low lishma for ulterior motives, for ulterior re- reasons. Nonetheless, it's important to, re- to realize how proud our parents are or would be of us in making sure that we should be proud of our children when they, they accomplish something. All righty. Sure. Have a good night. I don't think so. It, it, let your... Yearnings? I mean, that continuation is the same one. Yearnings? No, that's a different, it's a different, uh, I, I have it as a different topic. Okay. It's talking about not being jealous of yeah, things. Yeah, the way it's written here, a run-up. Okay. Mine is a capital letter at the yeah. beginning. Okay. Yeah, sometimes that happens. All right. Everyone should have a good night.